What's up, people? Welcome to a brand new episode of Wrestle Update. I am your host, Dylan Fox. Thank you for listening. Tuning in after the holidays. A belated Merry Christmas to everybody. Hopefully you have a happy new year. Of course, joining me as we promised on the last episode. I know you heard it. I know you trusted us. I knew you knew we were telling the truth. Nello de Angelis. Belated Merry, Merry Christmas to you as well. Hey, Merry Christmas, brother. Good to be back. I am excited to chat it up. That's right. And of course, on this show, it's a special show. I'm very happy we're getting to do it. We are going to be talking about Dynamite. Uh, Literally, it ended uh, just a little while ago, and we are going to talk about everything that happened. Most importantly, the Continental Classic Finals have been set. We know who it's going to be. We know who is going to make it. We know who predicted it correctly at the start of the tournament. Uh, and we will talk about all of that as well. As well as we will preview the world World's End cards. And uh, we will go through it and how things have built up. Because I think we have a lot to say about a certain, <laughs> a very particular angle that happened on this Dynamite show. We will talk about. But first things first. The Gold League final, the triple threat. And we were not happy with the decision to make this a triple threat so fast uh, on the last episode when we talked about what happened. But we still got it anyway. Jay White, Swerve Strickland, and John Moxley. Now, this was both of the matches. I have to say, from a, a wrestling standpoint, on this episode of Dynamite Up and Down, because I thought the women's match was really strong too, uh, like better, much better than I thought it would be. Actually, uh, I think the wrestling on the show was so damn good, uh, up and down, and it started with this match. What did you think of the triple threat here? Because we were critic critics of it last episode. How do you think it played out in execution? Um, dude, the amount of false finishes that got me in this, and you know, in a triple threat, I think. One of the biggest things that can sort of expose like the, the sort of like general weaknesses that can come with a triple threat are the pin breakups. Right. Um, and I think sometimes, too, that has to do with the cameras. You know, if you can see the guy running in, you're not going to have that tension. But at least from watching it at home, like the first one that comes to mind is Mox's curb stomp on Swerve, Swerve, um, breaking up the pin after Jay's Blade Runner. Like, dude, just so many great false finishes, nonstop action. I like how they all brawled outside at first. Um, you know, we talked about Jay's performance um, this past weekend throughout the tournament, and I thought that this was definitely his best performance in the entire tournament. Um, he played his role well. Like, I thought that they made it look like he like he took some really big moves and had some really impactful kickouts. Um, you know, there was a couple, like I said, the Blade Runner with him. And then so I thought he still didn't look too bad in defeat either. Um, overall, just. A really, really solid triple threat. Um, you know, whenever I think of triple threats, the one that always comes back to my mind. And I, uh, do you like this one? Is Lesnar Cena Rollins from the Rumble? Oh yeah, that that was a very uh, memorable match. Yeah, that was really good and well done. So that because I I think about you know like okay, a televised triple threat is going to be very different than like a U.S. independent triple threat, right? Um, so. <laughs> Which is to say just flips and stuff usually. But um, I, I thought that this was really up to that standard of the Royal Rumble triple threat, which to me is, always, like I said, it's kind of like that comparison that I have in my head. When it hits that level of greatness, I'm like, damn, dude, this reminds me of that. So, yeah, I thought this was great. Um, like, 
as much as I wasn't excited for the triple threat, um, and it's still, I do think it was weird to do is the tournament semifinal, like just absolutely delivered. And it was everything that a, you know, block final should be. And they did, they did let Jay, a lot of this match was him going outside and going for the chairs and utilizing them to the advantage, which they explained right away that there was not going to be any disqualifications in this match or anything like that. And I think it helped make that stuff work so much better than it did last week uh, when he tried to use the chair and just made the referee look like a complete idiot. Uh, here, it was mostly logical. Like, they explained there wouldn't be a DQ. This was a fight to the finish. And that let him play more of his heelish character, going for the chairs and everything. Moxley was great as this, like, really rugged and rough character, even though he's a baby face. Uh, there was the part at the end where uh, he was biting his fingers uh, afterwards. Uh, I thought that was a great spot for uh, Moxley and Swerve, just a complete dynamo in the ring. Uh, so fun to watch such a unique style, the way he moves around the ring. Yes, he is a high speed wrestler, like a high flying type of guy, but he's able to carry himself into such a unique way that I always appreciate what he brings to the table. This was almost an all-action match, too. It totally improved Jay White's game from the singles matches he had. Having the chaotic nature of this match really helped cut down on a lot of the downtime and the unimpressive stuff that he was doing in the earlier matches. We got to the meat of things. He really showed out and did a great job. So shout-out to Jay White <laughs> after our criticism of, of him last week. He dis he delivered in the semifinal. The other two we know are great already. And uh, they had a really strong match here. So good stuff. Moxley got the win uh, with the Death Rider on Jay. And this was 23 minutes, 10 seconds, it's listed as. Uh, so good stuff there. Uh, and I like the promo even afterwards. Uh, they were really in rush mode for this World's End show, too, <laughs> on this uh, show, where they were trying to build up multiple matches, like the Swerve and Keith Lee match. It was basically like, oh, you know, I, I heard him call me out, so we got to fight now. And then they were like, hey, he left a contract for you to sign. And he was like, I hope he shows up on Saturday. So uh, they 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 were really in rush mode trying to make this work with the, the different matches and stuff here. That was one. Uh, the second uh, semifinal match. Real quick, going. can I? I was just going to say, I really liked that. I liked how, like, the big like the highlight people, right? A lot of the times you can lose, like, it's like, oh, they had a great performance and now they're off TV for three months. Um, so I was pretty happy with Andrade and um, sort of having those big singles matches on World's End because I'm like, dude, we were talking this past week and like, oh yeah, you could yeah. you could run the Keith Lee feud for a couple months. And it's like, dude, we're getting right through it. Um, this means that Swerve is, you know, and again, this is me just totally fantasy booking, but freed up after this for a world title shot right yep, um, yep. so that's definitely my hope i like that they're already moving to andrade versus miro i hope they can absolutely end this god-awful thing that andrade's been unfortunately plugged into yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah i don't know like um I'm I'm grateful that there seems to be a lot of focus on the follow-up right now for the um for like the more primary continental classic players I agree uh, completely. Uh, that's something we always have to, to be on the the lookout for at AEW, where somebody could go in, have big performances, look great, and then disappear. And we, we don't see them again when we want to. 
and it looks like they're doing a better job of honing in. I think this Continental Classic has really impressed everybody. Um, it's gotten the respect from Tony Khan and everybody booking this show that, hey, we need to not let it be like it was with the other times. This tournament was special. We need to follow up with these guys because a lot of people showed out and deserve uh, that kind of spotlight. And I'm happy to see them follow through with that for sure. Uh, so totally agree with you on that one. Uh, and as far as the, the Blue League block, it came down to John Moxley versus Brian Danielson. And I thought this was a hell of a match, to, to be honest with you, as, as you would expect, as I think we all would knew it would be uh, pretty much. Now, when you see this match, they told the story. They had a great video of like Brian saying how much uh, Kingston's a bum and that caught on with the fans because a lot of the fans were behind Eddie in the match, but then they, it would be like, let's go Eddie. He's a bum. He's a <laughs> bum. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, that's uh, when you know you've made it when both the, like when the opposing chance are purely about you. Yeah. And it's it gets Brian Danielson as your opponent. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this was a hell of a match. Uh, and there was so much hard hitting stuff. Uh, Kingston's chops were just phenomenal. I was watching it with Ken, my my great grandpa, and he was just psyched uh, beyond belief about this match. Uh, when he hit him with the back fist at the end, he went ooh like when that happened. Uh, it was a great moment. Uh, they were having hard hitting stuff back and forth. Brian looked like he had it. Uh, he hit the Busaiku knee at one point, was kicking him around, taunting him. Uh, hit the stomps to the head was so violent. Uh, this is all straightforward type of match, kind of the opposite of the earlier match too. I liked how both semifinals were different in execution, where one was so chaotic in nature with so much stuff going on and the chairs and all that. This match was really, you know, two hard hitting guys doing a, a match until one guy couldn't make it anymore. Um, they had the spot where they teased Eddie, who was knocked out after the stomps, and. He was laying there, and Brian stood back looking at him, and then suddenly he just raised his hand to give him the middle finger <laughs> there. Uh, and then in the end, though, Eddie hit him with the back fist, as I said. Uh, Ken went na- crazy watching it. Hit him with the powerbomb, the Kawada-style powerbomb. Stacked him up, got the win. This was another great match. Again, over 20 minutes for this. They gave both matches great time. Uh, we mentioned before how we really wanted this <laughs> to be a lengthy match between the two and they delivered. It wasn't quite a, any kind of draw or, or anything like that, but still uh, they got the win there. And uh, I thought it was a great match. What about you? Uh, amazing. Again, like I thought this was the better of the block finals, but at that point Me you're too. like comparing four star plus matches to each other, which is like, Hey, we, we won regardless. Um, uh, this felt like the, um, like the uh, sort of Omega Naito semifinal, right? Like the, this is what the C2 felt like to me, um, you know, mostly because this was a singles as well. But dude, like I love pro wrestling, honestly. Like we have Brian Danielson still on an absolute tear, Eddie Kingston being set up to win a triple crown in New York, which is a very crazy sentence to say. Um, and like this... I think Eddie's whole journey throughout the C2 has been sort of like predictable from the beginning, right? Like, especially after he lost the first couple, I think he would talk to, you know, like, okay, well now he's got to go for all, like win them all. And 
um, I don't know. I, I still think that even though it was predictable, it was still very powerful. And that's great storytelling, you know, um, to see Eddie's journey get here, um, arrive at this point, you know, like we all thought the Ring of Honor title one was the big one. But this is so much larger. Um, and then do you want to talk about the promo that followed? Yeah, absolutely. Moxley came down a- afterwards for the promo. Uh, Brian was still in the ring and Mox checked on Brian while, while he was down. And then Eddie finally turns around like, oh. Here you are. And Mox, he cuts a great promo where he's on there. He says, all I've ever asked of you, every time I stuck my neck out for you, every time I put my my ass on the line for you, no matter what we did, fighting together, fighting against each other, all I ever asked was for 100%, your best you got. And he was saying, hey, for a guy who thinks the whole world is against you, for all this chip on your shoulder you have – it seems like you have a lot of people here that love you and everyone loves Eddie Kingston. Everyone at world's end is going to love him, but they don't even care if you win or lose, but they deserve your 100%. And then he said, the problem is I know you better than you know yourself. I know you can't beat me and you know, you can't beat me. So you've already lost already given up already making excuses. And a couple of years ago, back then, I gave you your opportunity, and I let you off the hook. This time, you won't get any more favors. And if you want to be champ, be the Triple Crown champ like your heroes, you'll have to earn every inch. And he starts to continue, but Eddie grabs the mic and says, no, 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 you've talked enough. And he he says, uh, you know, come on, dog, don't treat me like your young boy bitch, you know. Shots fired at Yuta. Why is Yuta catching a stray right now? I, I didn't like that part overall. But uh, he was <laughs> like, I'm actually your senpai. I started before you. I'm the one who let you breathe in this business. Uh, and he was like, you're right, though. I hate myself more than anybody else does. But on Saturday, the king of the bums is coming, and he's going to push you. And you told me one time when I wanted to quit this place, I wanted to leave a- AEW. You are the one who said, I can't do that because AEW needs people like him around. And if that's what you want, I'm going to give it all I've got. You better show your fighting spirit because I'm going to show mine. I'm going to bust you up and I'm going to enjoy it. That's my outline. And then they played his music afterwards. Uh, that was yeah, a the great recap. Was... Yeah, Thank look at how much I Think about how much of that I remembered as well. You didn't write that down? That was just off memory? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Step hey, aside, I, I, podcasters. Let's I, go. I, I, <laughs> let's let's remember, I've cut a promo or two in my time, to be honest. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they were great, though. Uh, they both delivered it even better than I did, uh, trying, to re- trying to remember <laughs> it the best I could uh, there. Uh, but yeah, I thought they were great. Box was perfect in his delivery in my opinion where they've captured the essence of their relationship so good like if even if you had not known anything about their backstory and all the history they had this is another thing i said it before in the tournament i love how throughout this tournament they've let things speak for itself while also telling stories at the same time without hitting you over the head with it if you had never seen any of their past or knew anything about their relationship, watching this one promo 
it told you everything you need to know about them. The body language, their tone of voice, the things they had to say. You know these guys are friends deep down and, and allies and all of that. But they also have a professional rivalry with each other that they need to beat the other. They need to be the one that wins over the other. And especially with the titles on the line, that means so much. They, he, I love how Moxley mentioned, oh, you want to be the Triple Crown champ like your heroes. Uh, obviously talking about the All Japan and, and that part of him and his character. And Kingston coming in saying he's the king of the bums. He hates himself <laughs> and all that. That That completely tells the story of his kind of emotional street tough guy gimmick as well. I thought it was totally, they hit every single note they needed to hit in this one couple of minute promo segment that they had. Uh, and I thought it was basically a great way to bridge to their final on Saturday. It's incredible because like, this is a tournament final, right? Like they didn't need to go this fucking hard for this. <laughs> like this already had a lot of heat a lot of story to it just because again it's this first ever c2 final triple crown champion and then these two guys tap into all of their history and absolutely sell you know you called this from the beginning um so congrats on that by the way but like you know they have always sort of been feuding and there has been a constant story with them and that's definitely fallen to the wayside like post God, I don't even remember when they last fought. Was it Anarchy or something? Like, didn't Eddie fight with the Elite or something? Like, I don't even remember what it was. Yeah, they, wasn't he? Yeah, didn't he show up to back up? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because it was he was on the Elite side against the BCC, right? And the BCC had to catch it on pack. Yes. And yeah, 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 because pack walked out, right? Or no. Pack fucked up Claudio. Yeah, Pack fucked up Claudio, and then Don's like, "All right, man, we're not, we're not gonna, we're not gonna take this uh, bump, brother." Gets to cashed out of there, but um, yeah, and like that's definitely been on the back burner. And again, if there's one thing Eddie Kingston and John Moxley can do, it's completely reignite a rivalry in one promo. This reminds me of uh, Punk or no Punk and Eddie on the pay per view. Remember? And it's oh, like yeah, a week that was before phenomenal. the pay per view, and yeah. Eddie comes out and he sells the whole thing and. You know, you look at this promo and it has the feel that this has been going on forever because it has. And now they've brought it back to the forefront. Um, so, yeah, this was phenomenal, especially after. God, was this after the Jericho Sammy stuff? I think it was. Uh, also, yeah. don't forget, they were a part of uh, at all in. Remember, uh, they were in the stadium stampede uh, in England. Okay. Yeah, because remember that was more about Cassidy and Moxley in that match. But remember when the glass Kingston was bloodied and uh, P Penta had the red outfit in the middle of the match and all of that. Oh my God, Penta came back out and like just hit a yeah. uh, top of the ladder destroyer, which was fucked. Oh my yeah. God, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> and I just like how this whole tournament—they didn't hit you over the head like ah, Kingston and Mox, old friends. What if they met in the finals? There was really not that much buildup. They each had their own journeys that they took to get to the final. And with this promo, again, they told all the story they needed to tell. They didn't go back and say, do you remember those matches we fought earlier this year? And back 20 years ago, we did X, Y, and Z. They didn't have to tell the whole story. They told enough to let you know where they're at now, 
without hitting you over the head with it. Like I said, I thought it was a brilliantly done promo that totally hyped me for this final. And I was already hyped. This is already the best thing in wrestling, in my opinion, in any company. I would argue this tournament lately. And I'm so excited to see who wins. This, to me, is my main event for, for World's End. Like, the one that I'm looking forward to most, I can't wait to see this match. And to see how it all plays out, because you could make a reasonable case for either man to win as well. And it's going to be funny because with Eddie Kingston and MJF both being like the, you know, hometown heroes, uh, I feel like Eddie's going to get a bigger response. I don't know. But again, dude, I feel like the majority of audiences fucking love MJF still. So maybe we are yeah. the smaller voice. But I mean, dude, this is tailor made for Eddie, man. I'm hyped as hell. Um, you nailed it with this is the real main event. Uh, the, the The tournament itself, I think, you know. Looking back now, I would say it absolutely met my expectations. Um, you know, I would say the big negative was I thought Jay White could have had a better performance. Um, but again, like, I think a lot of Jay White's character and the way he needs to be protected sometimes is what fucks him over, too. But even that said, there's there's an approach to yeah. do anything, right, that could be done correctly. Um, so that's not just some safeguard or whatever. But um, and for the it, for the worst guy in the tournament, we could live with that. Like it's not like it's you know a Chase Owens or something in, the, in New Japan. <laughs> we, we are blessed um, with yeah. this three star king. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I I cannot wait for this to come back. Um, you know, like I said, the next thing I want to see is. Or like I would love to see a women's round robin tournament. Absolutely. Um, I think that that absolutely needs to happen. And that's again, like you see how easy it is to book this and how well it plays on TV and how like the consistency and just the structure really complements the television. Um, you know, I think that's definitely the next step. And personally, I would love to see this. I, I would personally love to see the field expand next year to 10. Yeah. And yeah. I think that you could run this from, you know, fuck, like you could run this October to December. Um, and again, like, like I think we talked about on, uh, this weekend as well, but, you know, really using Rampage, Rampage is a platform during tournament season for, you know, some if you have more people right and you want to do like a jay lethal mark briscoe rampage main event so they can get more time right as well and really have a more um spotlight i would love that stuff so what uh, what would you like to see what would you have changed what are your overall thoughts on the c2 oh i love the tournament i think it was greatly enhanced by not just the wrestling itself, but a lot of the decisions they made in the storytelling, because when you think about it, this was a very basic tournament, like how they booked it. It wasn't like there were these convoluted things specifically said to be no interferences. So you had good matchups, you know, even the worst matches. Again, if you point to the, whatever the worst match of this tournament is probably that J versus J match because of the crowd. But even that wasn't like some terrible match that, that we hated. It was just bad because of the crowd and because they weren't doing anything that interesting. <laughs> but besides that, pretty much every th every match at least bottomed out and at least solid, like, okay, acceptable <laughs> wrestling. 
I, and then you had some matches like Claudio and Brian and these two matches for the semifinals that were really great. You know, definitely over four stars. <laughs> a lot of guys got their own stories. A lot of guys have great things coming out of it. I think they handled the booking really, really well. Uh, even people who normally criticize AEW online really liked the tournament and, and had nothing but good things to say about it. <laughs> On top of it, the ratings tell the story. Every week they would increase with these tournament matches, <laughs> which is fantastic news. Uh, for all the talk about Tony Khan saying, put your money where your mouth is, the fans are telling you right now, they're telling you that this is what <laughs> this is what we want to see. We want to see all of this. And I totally agree with what you said. My biggest change would be uh, hopefully to have a women's version of this tournament because there's no reason you can't do a lot of the same things if you book it in a similar way to this tournament um, compared to the the way you normally book the women. If you use that strategy of how you book this, you will expand upon this women's roster and make every one of them improve their star power uh, if you give them a chance to. I'm 100% certain of it. Uh, the only change I would make, again, I wasn't a fan of whites. There's a lot of different people you could put in. But again, for the worst pe- person in the tournament, you can't hate on it too much at the end of the day. And, and he is a guy they care about a lot. So they utilized him to that sense. I think one thing I also would have changed. Considering it's Brian in one in this tournament, I would have liked to have seen him have more first-time matches. I mentioned this on the first episode. That was my one disappointment. Uh, if they had had a lot of first-time matches for him, I would have been really impressed by that. Uh, and there's a whole roster of people. you know, Like you said, they could easily expand the field, make it an extra long tournament going forward. Uh, they have so many options they could go with. But overall, still, if you were giving a letter grade to this tournament in my book, it's A+. Like I think it was yeah. almost per- like perfect. There were very minor squabble- squibbles that don't mean anything. Like they did a great job. Hands up, t- uh, you know, hands out there for Tony Khan and AEW for that. Yeah, uh, you know, and a lot of my, I would say, initial anxieties about it being this weird interference thing they named. Yeah. Um, a lot of time limit draws or just indecisive, you know, finishes. Um, they really were just. I mean, they didn't beat around the fucking bush, you know, it was definitive. They let people lose. um, And I don't think anyone is any weaker for it. Like it goes to show that when you make it mean something that, you know, the losses aren't just fucking like, you know, career washing pretty much. Um, Okay. Who are a couple people you would like to see join next year? Uh. I think that OC was somebody I think should be in for his gimmick uh, as well. Uh, you could put Darby in there, have him, you know, him and Brody King. If they had another match, it would be bananas. Um, you have a lot of options, man. There's so many people you could go with. Uh, Miro, he's now going in. I know a lot of there was a lot of talk about him not doing jobs, but I think he would be a great addition to the tournament next year as well. Uh, any one of that the top flight trio or whatever they've got going on. Mm. Any one of those guys is a high flyer would be fantastic. Phoenix. If he can get healthy pack, if he can get healthy, uh, those guys would be great uh, coming in. Uh, you know, you still have a lot of guys Takeshita was the big one for me. Uh, he would be my number one pick out of everybody that I would like to see next year. And, uh, you know, you have a lot of guys, even Omega will be on the men for that. If he, if he wants to, I know his, his body, if he can hold up and go through this next year, uh, he would be a wonderful addition as well. But there's, you know, you honestly, 
if they had none of the 12 guys in this tournament and they put 12 completely different guys on the roster, you could still have a great tournament. <laughs> like, you know, like, yep. yeah, that's how deep this roster is. So you could pick uh, so many names. But to me, Takeshita would be the main guy. Miro and Darby, I guess, would be my top three if, if I had to pick one. And maybe OC uh, on there as well. So any one of those four, uh, I think all could have been in it a bit great. Yeah. Um, I, I like to that putting in the big names as well. I think it's given time, a lot of TV time to other stories, you know, like when we, yeah. when we continue to preview World's End, um, Abaddon and Julia Hart has had weekly television time every week. That's fucking crazy. Um, <laughs> you know, to have that much visibility and time uh, given to a feud with, you know, two talents who necessarily weren't given a lot of time before or yeah. Abaddon who wasn't even on TV to begin with. So, um, yeah, Starks, Takeshita, OC. I would honestly love to see a, a Christian or a Copeland, one of those older. Heads. Oh, yeah, um, that would be good, too. Yeah, Christian I, would be awesome <laughs> in this tournament. I think you could throw in, a, you know, Roddy. You could put in the G- yeah. Jay, uh, another Jay Lethal type you could do is a Matt Seidel. Um, you know, there's they're stacked with the roster. And that's why I really hope to see them, you know, like we said, and and hopefully the quality of the C2 forces the sort of, you know, prestige and, and quality of the Owen Hart tournament to rise up to because, um, yeah. you know, there's every great company. I mean, like every company, if they're able to pull off like a great, um, you know, I always go to the Royal Road and the Champion yeah. Carnival, right? Like yeah. those are typically very good. And I think if AEW can really make the Owen Hart Cup feel like, a royal road as opposed to just uh this is who's winning it this year like who won it this year was it joe uh i don't fucking remember yeah (laughs) i I know adam cole yeah he won the first one oh starks and then he like yeah starks won right and then he like disrespected fucking uh liger yeah that's right yeah that was a really cool angle yeah wow yeah well, it shows you. Hey, listen, if we're sitting here in June, oh, and, and Willow, sorry, yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, Willow won the women's version too. But if we're sitting here in June and they screw up again and do it like they did this year with the Owen Hart tournament, then they are going to get criticized by me very heavily because <laughs> the the Continental Classic showed us. I still didn't like it when they did it this year. But this is proof. It's data. We we have to pay attention to. You cannot ignore reality. They proved that this style of tournament can work, and there's no reason the Owen Hart tournaments can't do the same at the end of the day. Clean losses are not the be-all, end-all. They will not ruin careers, I promise. Like, they there's nobody on the roster. When they when they mean nothing or they're booked badly, like a Jay White, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it, fucking God. Well, um, it wasn't because he lost. And, uh, it was just a, a lot of things went into that. Yeah. But, um... Jay anyway, White's one of the best wrestlers I've ever uh, wrestled in the ring, and I beat him on one leg. So, <laughs> well, that was a uh, that wasn't even uh, uh, anything to, to talk about, thankfully. But we will get into the, all of that as well as we preview. Quick pitch, quick pitch yeah. for you for Owen Hart yeah. Cup, sure. making that into more of a young lions tournament, right? You have your Takeshita, Fletcher, Hobbs, uh, fucking Action Andretti, the Martin brothers, right? And then. 
make it because that's in the summer, right? You know, whoever wins gets the Owen Hart Cup. Amazing. And then you guarantee yourself a spot in the C2. I think that could be really cool. And then you sort of, you know, someone like a Garcia going into the C2 with also that, you know, heat or something like that. Just any rookie young lion guy. I would love for there to almost be that sort of division between the two things. Um, I don't know. And like Owen, to me, like I'll always remember him as just like that, like one of the best fucking young wrestlers of his generation. Owen Hart was my favorite wrestler, my idol uh, in wrestling. Uh, so I have a ton of respect. I was so hyped when they did the tournament. That all went away when Adam Cole won the first one, to be honest. But still, n- never mind that. Uh, Owen was a legend. And like you said, the idea of making this like a rookies tournament. And also, I love the idea of winning it. And that almost like ups the prestige of the Continental Classic. Because now you've made just getting into the tournament an achievement in and of itself. Regardless of wins and losses, if you just get in the Continental Classic, you've done something. And I think that's a great idea. I would love to see that. And hopefully it would open, you know, they wouldn't be so stingy. They'd be more free to do that. Uh, you know, anybody under 25 is is in the Owen Hart Cup, uh, the Owen Hart Invitational. And uh, I would like to see that. Uh, I think it's a great idea. Hell yeah. Let's talk about World's End uh, here. We have, we have a pay-per-view we're going to preview here. Uh, a lot of stuff happened, and we'll get to what we've been, and I'll try to briefly recapture how we got to where we got uh, for, for the show. As I said, they kind of rushed through some matches here, but to, to, to a good degree, it's fine. <laughs> the first case, the 20-man Battle Royal for a future AW, AEW TNT title match against Christian. So 20 people... Who's getting Christian's uh, title shot here? Who's your pick? Christian and Adam Copeland is like if QT beat Cody when they feuded. And now <laughs> he's just like, I'm having sex with my wife. I'm the cool bad guy. Like, it's sort of that energy. Dude, this yeah. thing is so ridiculous and over the top. And honestly, I'm all here for it. Um, the Christian promo with Shayna Wayne, like, I, I think I'm also biased towards this because I defy was my old, you know, local wrestling promotion. Yeah. So I've seen Nick wrestle for years now and at every single fucking show for anyone that goes to defy, you always know his mom is standing right like on the corner of the stage and she always films his matches, man. And to. To see her like incorporated in this way in his career because it, it really feels like, you know, Nick and like his how much his mom helped him or whatever. It's just so silly and fucking ridiculous and cool to see. Like Christian's in the ring talking about like, yeah, I had sex with uh, Shayna Wayne and Nick's like smiling like, yeah. Like, <laughs> just, I don't know. Um, yeah, good I mean, job, bro. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, yeah he's like all right man congrats yeah. um the whole shit too where christian's like the waitress thing it's all so just ruthless and brutal again like i i think he's very good at doing the things that mjf typically attempts um i'm a huge christian mark uh absolutely i would say like you know this feels like a very AEW match i can't remember what pay-per-view it was but god it was the one with cole versus Jericho, right? The no DQ or something. Oh, yeah. And like every match on that show was so gimmicky like that. I think we talked about where it felt like an Extreme Rules thing. 
I love that this is this seems to be the only one of those types of matches for now. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that they're going to do really great with it. Um, you know, the last DQ, like I think Christian really thrives more in gimmick matches. I think about that. Um, the crazy trios match he had with Jungle Boy and Jurassic Express against the Bucks and Cole, um, the casket match. So I'm really excited to see what they pull out. My only only hope is that it goes under 20 minutes and I'm going to call a Christian win here just because. I think that Copeland can go do other stuff, but I think Christian is really running with this TNT title right now. So what about you? Yeah, so on Dynamite, their angle was Lexi Nair was backstage. Uh, they had Christian and Shayna Wade sitting down with each other. And I called that when she turned on uh, uh, Edge in their match, and Christian in Adam Copeland's match. I told you the big heat would be when they make out on camera. Like that is the huge pop that they need at some point. They haven't done it in the ring yet, but they need to get there. I feel like not to sound like Nick Wayne or anything going for this, but <laughs> I, I think that that would be a great heat getting moment. Like that's how this should end to me. Like something happens. Copeland gets screwed over by somebody. And then he makes out with with Nick Wayne's mom in the ring, as apparently Nick Wayne is very happy to see his new dad <laughs> in here. Um, but yeah, so all over the show, he was like, where the hell is Copeland at? Like, I don't have all night. And he's sitting there for like two hours, just sitting backstage. And Lexi there's like, don't worry, he'll get here. We got people looking out for him. Don't worry, he'll be here. And he's like, hurry up. He's unprofessional. <laughs> and then suddenly they go to like, every now and then in the show, they would cut to them backstage and then finally, Edge burst in through the door, beat the hell out of Christian. Uh, it took like 20 wrestlers to hold them back, and he chased them down the hallway. Edge looked insane, as he's known to. And Christian was like, at the end, he should be fired uh, there. <laughs> like, Christian's awesome uh, at the end of the day. I agree with you. I think it's Christian's doing too good to take the title off of him. And like you say, to me, and this is the thing about this why I wasn't too hype about this at first, because we've seen them wrestle so many times. They have other things to offer than wrestle each other uh, to, to me. And I think that we need to get to that story <laughs> overall. Uh, I think that as I explained it, no DQ match, there's going to be a lot of shenanigans, uh, crazy things going down in that match. Uh, I'm sure there'll be Nick Wayne interference, Shayna Wayne interference. Uh, I want to go Kill with switch. Christian. The this kill yeah. switch make an appearance. That's true. Uh, will will he like defy Christian? Because remember, he kind of bitched him out that that one time uh, they had there. Uh, so a lot of intrigue on that end. But ultimately, I agree. Christian needs to be the champion. <laughs> uh, and another thing we need to talk about too. What about uh, the battle royal, the twenty man battle royal for the number one contender spot? Because I think that'll tell us a lot. That should be the first match on the show, according to the card. Whoever wins that could tell us if it's a babyface. I think Killswitch winning the battle royal would actually be an interesting swerve on it. Like, and you could be something where maybe Christian tells him, like, you have to lay down for me, uh, you know, and you have to do that, and they kind of make something out of that. Uh, I think that would be an interesting storyline perspective. Or if if Adam Copeland won, Christian could be kind of replay what they did before, tease that they're going to do what they did before, where Lucha, uh, you know, Kill Switch is the champion, and then Christian is like saying he's the, the champion, despite Luchasaurus actually being the champion. Uh, 
what do you think? Who's going to win the 20 man battle Royal? We don't know who's in it, but it could be anybody. <laughs> Probably. Yeah, that's I had not no idea. I had no idea that was even happening. I must've just completely missed that. So this is number one contender for the TNT title. Yeah. Yeah. Oh shit. Jungle boy. He makes his big return. Not as the devil, but going for the TNT title. Dude, I still can't believe people were like, oh, it's definitely him. He's the devil. I'm like, in what world? <laughs> oh, God. We, we are, we are going to talk about the devil, I promise, uh, at the end of the show. But right now, uh, we can presume – what if it's another of the devil's masked men that win the Battle Royal, become the number one contender? You know, I hope that – you remember that WWE photo? I think it was after the Night of Champions. It's like Zack Ryder with the U.S. title. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Punk, yeah. Brian, Kofi, Seidel. I want yes, I that know, photo yeah. recreated with all the AEW titles, but it's just the devil's masked men. That's what I hope for. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love it. Uh, I'll but, go okay. with Killswitch to win the Battle Royal. Kill switch. Yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah. I oh, no. Jack Perry's a big old heel, dude. I really have no clue. Um, yeah, it could be anybody, honestly. Like on the roster, it's just not on the show. I'm just trying to think of like, because uh, it doesn't feel like it's going to be building towards any sort of big match or anything. Most likely a TV one. So yeah. someone that maybe you know what? Maybe it's someone that Christian could be and then add to the patriarchy. Another young guy. Um, Okay. Yeah. Who would that be? <laughs> I have no clue. Christopher Daniels. Christopher oh, yeah, Daniels. He's the is young his new guy. gimmick. He wears like hair again and stuff, and he's like, "That oh, would yeah. be awesome." <laughs> I I love this idea. Genius. Christian Daniels. <laughs> yes, Christian Daniels. <laughs> Absolutely. What if he's? What if it's Curry Man? Even better. He can be like yes. dude love. Like if he gets taken yes. out and he gets like stretchered out, then Curry Man comes out to help Christian. <laughs> I love it. And then you you have suicide. He can bring that gimmick back as well. Oh my say. god! Yeah, manic or whatever. Well, yeah, or that was Relic. TJP's version. Oh yeah. Oh no, god. Relic. That was uh, Johnny Stamboli. Oh my god. <laughs> the FBI. I love it. But yeah. What about what about Roosh? What if he won? Oh, just win the title as well. It's just, it's like, I mean, I, I love what Chris is doing, but if Roosh got the title, I'd be totally happy with that. Um, see that that's someone who doesn't have like they didn't have any progression on the show, but yeah, assuming that Kingston wins, I think it's him versus Roosh next. Is the Moxley yeah. Roosh feud hopefully? Yeah, no, no, I would you're love right. an LFI BCC. Um, maybe like, a you know, thinking of people, uh, maybe a Daniel Garcia could be cool. Um, you know, he's yeah, that somewhat... would be a great person. And that would be great progression from him finally getting the win. He's another one that's like, like kill switch kind of on, he could face either Copeland or Christian, like either one of those he could pull out and do good with, and it would continue his story arc as a character. So that's yeah. a good pick. All right, I'll, I'll put that in for you. I'll say Killswitch, you say Garcia. Either one could work. <laughs> uh, what about Utah versus Hook? The match we said should have happened, that uh, final battle for uh, things. Now, this is an FTW rules match for the FTW championship. So Hook is defending his title here against Utah. I'm What's FTW rules? Because <laughs> I don't think the... 
Yeah, okay. Cage match does not have these matches listed. So I was just yeah. like, where are these? Okay, now I see. I- I'm assuming that FTW rules is just like, we're not wrestling pure, brother. Yeah, it's a very gimmicky way of just saying this is, this is not a pure title match. Um, I don't know. I mean, the thing is, like, it's Hook's hometown. It makes sense for him to win. Honestly, you know, I think Hook could benefit maybe from a pure title run in ROH. Um, he has a fairly technical style, um, you know, but I think that it could use a lot of fine tuning and maybe somewhere like Ring of Honor is good for him. Um, you know, like if he does wind up staying again, it's one of those things where how can we get the most out of the people we, that we have with like getting them the development that they need that they would, you know, otherwise get in an NXT. Um God damn, like <laughs> I'm gonna go with Hook. Hook wins. Yeah, Just because I and I'll say too, like AEW is very, very rarely do they have hometown guys lose. And they've put yeah. a lot of New York people in prominent spots on this show. Yeah, I totally agree. I think Hook's gonna win. Uh no reason for Yuta to become a double champion either. Uh I think a cool swerve would be at the end of all this if if they could get by, maybe you could have Hook win this, and then Yuda could beat Hook uh, in a pure match, and they have one last deciding match. Make it be like Yuda's own match against like Moxley and Brian Danielson, where they have a bloody fight, like a 20-minute brawl fight match where Hook shows something he never shown before. I think Hook and BCC could be something if they wanted to get to that. I think he's the kind of guy that would fit and help him improve training with those guys. Absolutely. And my apologies. I just realized that this is only for the FTW title. I totally yeah, thought yeah. that this was a double title match. No, no um, it's only for Hook's title. So I'll definitely say Hook then. Uh, that's a no question for me. Although, God, I would love to see Yuta walking around being like, fuck the world. Yeah, so yeah. <laughs> anyone that is well, uh, well cast in fuck the world champion right now it's chicken shit yuda i would love that i so. love it uh, I, love uh, I love it so box and kingston who's your final prediction to to kingston. win the inner yeah me too I'm calling kingston this is going to be the match of the night um you know yep. uh it's going to be everything and i think it will be emotional as hell like the the post match i think yeah. will be Moxley i'm looking forward to that as much as the match yeah, yeah. Um, so poof, uh, I'm very excited, but yeah, Colin Kingston, what about you? Totally agree. Uh, I think it's destined. He came in as the double champion and he's walking out the triple crown champion. <laughs> I think it makes perfect sense. Not to mention it, it ties up their story nicely that we've had for literally years <laughs> bubbling under. They've done such a great job with the tournament and just everything they built. The promo was fantastic. I remembered like 90, 90% of it myself uh, after it did here. So I loved it. Great tournament. Great matchup. Cannot wait to see it. And the emotional aftermath afterwards. This could be one of those, like, when they unveil this title, like whatever this uh, Continental Championship is, and they show the final visual of him holding up all three belts, that's something you're going to need to see played at the start of every Dynamite. You know, put that in the intro package, play video packages for the next five months of it. 
like make it feel like a huge moment in AEW history that these yes. two guys, longtime friends, first ever Continental Classic winner, this means something, and this is going to be the thing to stick around and stay for years to come. Uh, so yeah, going with Kingston as well. Why? Like, tell me why the when you were saying that I was picturing, um, like the Lilico retirement from DDT <laughs> Judgment. <laughs> Because that's like an hour. very beautiful at the end, too. Like when they're all just in the ring and I'm just getting emotional. Um, like, I really wish this was main eventing. Like, I know the Me world too. championship will main event, but God, I think Kingston's coronation is just such a exciting close closer to the show in comparison to just the devil being unmasked. So, um, but yeah, we'll get there. I've tried to dodge it, but no, uh, we'll, we will get there. Uh, Julia Hart and Abaddon, you mentioned that earlier, too. Uh, they've both been doing great things uh, on the TV show, getting time at least. Um, Abaddon, uh, Ken had never saw Abaddon before, and he was just like, is that Doink the Clown? <laughs> oh, I said, no. my God. <laughs> I said, no, don't disrespect Abaddon like that. Uh, and... Uh, <laughs> Julia, like you said, done great things. So they kind of build on this show on Dynamite. It was Sky Blue versus Chris Statlander, which I thought like was a really good match, Dude, like overachieved. Great match. Holy yeah. shit. Chris Stat really brings the best. I know. I, did I not people. say that when and she was? Yeah. Every week now we're talking about too. Sky Blue is like really like um. Dude, someone that I would fuck. There's one woman from WWE that I would pluck and draft to AEW, Liv Morgan. I think if you made a stable with Liv Morgan leading fucking <laughs> Sky Blue and Julia Hart would be the coolest thing in the world. Um, like just Emo absolutely Liv. insane. Yeah. <laughs> Emo <laughs> night. Um, yeah. But, dude, yeah, that was a great match. I definitely think Julia Hart's taking this. Um, I yeah, appreciated yeah. the feud so far. Definitely, you know, spooky girl uh monster person right so it, it writes itself um they were smart to capitalize on it i think that the, the consistency more than anything is what i've appreciated i, I won't pretend like this is some revolutionary storyline but just to have no. you know a, a second women's match on the show that has had weeks of build-up to it right as opposed to just jade cargill's going to face x this week yeah. right or something like that um Definitely think Julia is winning this. Um, you know, the the Sky Blue stat match ended with Julia interfering, which got yeah. Sky Blue to win. So I could definitely see them running back stat versus Julia again as well. Oh, I'm all for it. Uh, stat was awesome in that match. I've really grown to respect Statlander. I think she was one of the more underrated talents uh, for a while. Uh, always getting the best out of everybody, including Sky Blue, who's been very hot and cold like and on there. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, she hit that uh, that code blue she hit was really good. That's another one. Ken jumped out of his seat at that when she hit that. And Ken loves Sky Blue. Uh, you know, uh, that that's like one of his favorites on the, the roster. Chicago girl, um, you know, looks great, does cool shit. Like, what's not to like about Sky Blue overall, if you're from Chicago especially, I would say. <laughs> uh, but... Yeah, uh, and then obviously Willow ran out at the end. Uh, they had uh, Stokely Hathaway on commentary for that. He's doing the deal with Stat, uh, you know, 
tried to recruit her. He was saying some really goofy stuff on commentary about his his friend or whatever that worked at AutoZone. Uh, he was talking. It was really stupid, <laughs> to be honest. But um, Willow ran out to make the save, and like her and Stat continue to be. Statlander's still doing uh, uh, the uh, Ben Stiller <laughs> gimmick with the dodgeball uh, attire that she brought out here, too. So everything about her is awesome. Uh, and then at the end, basically, like, Willow ran in for the save, Sky Blue and Julia backed away, and then suddenly Abaddon's music hit, and Abaddon was just st- standing on the stage looking monstery, I guess. I guess. Um, the match itself, I don't think either of these two are exactly, you know, Kobashi in the, in the ring, uh, to say the least. But interesting characters, uh, cool looks, something unique. I don't think this should go that long, to be honest, on this a long looking show uh i think get in get out do some basic stuff you could do the character spots with both and uh i think i agree with you julia keeps the title here and maybe you'll transition back to stat and julia in a singles match next time which uh could be good but it's a chance for and they're at least giving them a chance you know at the end of the day show something and maybe abaddon can impress uh i also think thunder rosa could be somebody that they could put in Mm. uh, now that now that she's back as well Definitely. And, you know, this is going to be a massive test for Julia. Um, yep. You know, she really uh, that match with stat is what really elevated her. Then they had the triple threat. So now that this is like her first real, you know, I thought her matches against um, God, she had one against Emmy, which I thought was really good. Um, yeah. And I want to say there was one more, which I can't remember. But, um, yeah, I'm I'm hoping for a really good match. Uh, this is, you know, with everything that's on this card, I would say that this is up there in terms of my excitement. So. We also have the other women's title, the AEW women's title match. Um, Timeless Tony Storm defending against Riho. And basically how this match was built up on Dynamite was they had this interview segment with Mariah May. Uh, Personally, I think Mariah May's theme music, not a banger. Right now, I think I think she needs a little upgrade in the theme music department. Get get on that sky blue level where, where they gave her the new music. She she upped her game. Uh, Mariah made tremendous talent, by the way. Uh, she cut a promo basically saying her first match will be at the start of the new year, the first Dynamite. And then Riho came out uh, and ran, chased her down to the ring. So continuing to prove that Riho is indeed the Brock Lesnar of AEW even now. Uh, as she, Mariah May literally ran away to the ring to get away from Riho as she walked calmly towards her. Um, so Riho came in and then Tony Storm ran out. And tried to hit her with a belt, but Riho dodged it, set her up for the 619, but Luther got her out. But then Riho climbed to the top, hit a big dive on Tony and Luther, and then held up the title. Uh, basic buildup. It's not like we had any intricate promos, but Tony's gotten a lot of TV time, which also means Riho's got a couple of matches to kind of reintegrate her with the AEW crowd. Uh, I think it's been, again, not exactly award-winning TV, but basic, pretty well done. And the match could be good. I'm not totally sold on Tony Storm as a character in the ring. I like what she's done on commentary. And I like the intrigue of her deal with Mariah May. But this match, I think Riho is going to have to hit that next gear to make this something really good. But still, there's potential with this. I think Tony will win. Uh, Unfortunately for Riho, I just don't think she has a chance to to dethrone Timeless Tony right now. Because I don't think they would want to take the belt off of her so soon. What do you think? Yeah, I think Tony's winning this as well. Right now, it feels like the trajectory is definitely going to climax with like a 
Tony Mariah feud at some point, which isn't to say Mariah will be the next champion, but that sort of seems like an end goal right now. Um, I'm really happy for Riho being back and having this spotlight. Totally agree again on this not being promo heavy feud. It seems like they've sort of tapped into the strengths of these two currently. Where you know, getting Riho reintegrated back into the ring, she's definitely one of the better wrestlers in the company. And then Tony on commentary is just always a shitload of fun for me. Um, I really wish though that they would have leaned a little bit more into more of a story than just like Tony's confusion with her, right? Which sort of seems like the general thing that she has with most people. But yeah. if Riho's the first women's champion, right? I think there's a lot you could do there. Tony is, oh, well, this sequel would be better, right? Um, she tries to rewrite the history books. I don't know. There's so much crazy shit that you can do with Tony's character that I, I don't think there's any reason for there to not be something absolutely ludicrous paired with this. Um, because Tony right now, right? It's like, you know, she cracked. Now she's very much cemented in her this character. But the way we got here is that she essentially, you know, had a psychotic break. Um, <laughs> and because of that, I think what you could do, you know, is really amplify, you know, this is brought on by anxiety. This is brought on by fear, by all these things. And how can we amplify those through this current, you know, cartoonish, garish character? And I, I don't... I don't think that they're quite tapping into that yet. Um, and I really hope that they do. Um, but yeah, that, that's it for this one. I think that could be a next step when Mariah <laughs> turns on her. We could see that exp- uh, explored a little bit more. And I like to see them give Riho something a little bit more. This is my problem with Sheeta as well, even when she was champion. Give Riho some depth as a character. Like, I don't care what you do tell her story, whatever she wants to tell or whatever you want to tell. Just give us something. Like, I don't care what it is. Uh, just figure something out, <laughs> something to latch on to. I think that would help Riho out a lot because you look at her, she's a, a good wrestler. I think that's uh, proven in all of her matches. The crowds really like her, um, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with her on her own as a talent. It's that I wish they would give her a little bit more depth to her character. Yep, 100%. Um, you know, I think there's just so much you can do there with deepening Tony's lore. Yeah, 100%. And Riho, in my opinion. <laughs> like, I would like to see Riho get a little bit more depth. Yeah. Um, so then we have uh, an eight-man tag team match that just got added uh, after the show ended tonight. Uh, Ricky Starks, Big Bill, and the Don Callis family, Kyle Fletcher and Powerhouse Hobbs, taking on Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, Sting, and Darby Allen. So they had a big segment on Dynamite where Don Callis came out to waste everyone's time, as he usually does. And we had four paintings in the ring, and he was like, oh, Hobbs, look at this. I gave you a present, a painting of Hobbs uh, looking badass or whatever. He's like, Takeshita, you gave me so much support, and now I have one for you. He gave him a painting. And then he gave Kyle Fletcher a painting about beating up kangaroos or, or something <laughs> going in there. Who is painting all of these things is what I want to know. Somebody spent so much time working on this for it to be destroyed. <laughs> so, She's so on easily. Twitter. She posts a lot about I want to say it's Mel Coleman, I believe. Oh, yeah. She's the artist. Um, yeah. Sh- shout out to her. She's very talented. Yeah, her art is the complete opposite of Don Callis in this storyline. It's remarkable and exceptional and groundbreaking. Um, 
this fucking sucked, Dylan, so much. Everything about this sucks. Um, the l- one good l- thing. L- oh, sorry. sorry. Let, <laughs> l- let me finish this up because we have a lot to unpack here. <laughs> um, so, okay. So he's there. And there's this fourth painting that just so magically happened to be there. And wouldn't you know it, Sammy Guevara returns when that happens. Um, and like Don Callis and the family are all cheering when he comes out. And the, the announcers are like, oh, he's he's in the family. Why does he look so pissed <laughs> on there? And so he comes out. Got a good pop, too, when he came out, like his music hit. And so he comes in and Don Cows is like, huh, it's just like Christmas all over again. And then Sammy was like, why didn't you call me all this time? And he was like, oh, don't worry about that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Very, very original storyline that we have here. And he was like, oh, don't worry about all that. Uh, he's like, I just so happened to have a gift made. I've been carrying this thing around for the last two months on the off chance that you actually showed up for once for work for once. Uh, and, uh, then he went in there and he had a picture of the family and him and his baby. And he was like, who the hell told you to put my baby in that picture? Oh my and, God. It's painful and, uh, just to hear you recap it. I probably delivered that better this time than, than, than he did <laughs> actually. Uh, so Don Kaus was like, uh, you know, don't worry about it. And he's like, why didn't you call me? And Don Kaus is like, you want to shoot on me even after I gave you a gift? Well, let's get into it. You are a failure. You do, where We both know you don't have the mental capacity to be a parent. And when he said that, kid immediately jumped in and says, hit him. <laughs> like he, he wanted Sammy to hit Don Kaus so much when he said that. <laughs> and he was like, you've got two choices. Will you take this family or that family. And Ken again was like, choose that family. That family is the one you need. Your own family. <laughs> and, and so Ken was ad-libbing throughout this whole segment. <laughs> and then uh, Samuel was like, he looked around, and then Callus was like, uh, if you choose that family, you'll be as much of a failure as a wrestler as you are a new parent. And then Sammy shoved him. I do think that he should have popped him. Instead of shoving him, he should have punched the glasses on his face or something. I think that would have been more impactful than the shove. So he immediately gets jumped by the family, four-on-one beating uh, for Sammy. And then suddenly Jericho comes out with the bat. He's swinging high, uh, cleared the ring, beating the hell out of everybody. But then it looks like the family's about to get the numbers game. And then suddenly the lights go out. And this was at least a surprise and unexpected. So they come back on. Sting and Darby are in the ring. Why? Totally unexplained. But uh, regardless, Sting and Jericho used the bat. They did a part where he tossed the bat back and forth with each other, and Sting whacked uh, Big Bill in the, in the leg. <laughs> they clean house. Darby, Sammy, Jericho, and Sting all stand tall. And so now Sammy's back to a baby face. Why did they turn him in the first place? To... Um, why? Like... <laughs> I'm not a Sammy Guevara fan, but this poor fucking kid, dude, is like surgically attached to Chris Jericho or Chris yeah, Jericho is like a wart on his back. Um, like, I think that this is a big indicator of just how, you know, currently washed Jericho is, is that in order to restore this match, they had to bring in Sammy Sting and Darby. Um, which is pretty fucking crazy. Um, this is not a pay-per-view match. This is not even a television main event. Um, 
I th- I can tell you right now, Dylan, this is going to be my food break. This is when I'm going to go get food. Um, and honestly, if you tell me actually, because I'll be watching this on Sunday after it's yeah, yeah. aired. Um, and if you tell me this is worth skipping, by God, I, I would happily <laughs> skip it. But I will watch it, of course, to discuss it. Thank um, you. But dude, just like. Takeshita is not even wrestling. That, that's Cole what Ricky I don't understand. Big Bill, like again, tag team champions that have no presence as the actual tag team champions. Even though they've been doing these promos, they've been building this feud, and now they're paying the price. Um, you know, I don't see the reason for this to be an eight man. I think you could have just done Jericho and Sammy versus Starks and Big Bill. Yeah, that's Every, exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah, and then that makes me wonder: was the Callis family originally just gonna fight? sting and darby on one week's notice or were none of these people gonna be on the show like what's going on here um and then like dude like everything with sammy is just the most illogical like the worst wrestling storytelling um anyone that watches wrestling you know it it's just it's total bullshit um and it didn't have to be this way though is 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 my problem with it there Yep. They were they wasted all of this time on him when he was hated by everybody, tried to make him a baby face. So then when he finally actually gets over, they immediately turn him heel, of course. And now you have a, a built storyline, new child. Uh, everybody can relate to that, regardless of what you think about Sammy. Uh, everyone will not hate on a baby at the end of the day or, or a new father. <laughs> you have a little bit of cachet to try to redeem yourself. Uh and instead, <laughs> he is also attached to Jericho, but also everyone is attached to the Don Callis family and surgically attached. He cannot ever escape, no matter who it is. What is the point of this at all? And why didn't they just do the tag title match that they had already set up? Golden Jets. OK, Omega's out. Sammy comes to his aid. It makes perfect sense. Why did we need to involve the Don Callis family at all? Or if anything... You could have had Sammy save Jericho at some point. They reunite for this tag title match. And if you wanted, the Callus family could screw over Sammy in the match. And that could kickstart a feud with some logic behind it and, and some reason, at least. Uh, you know, but they, they avoided all of that for this quick, you know, half-baked turn that we had. But I will say this. Them destroying, because uh, at one point Jericho smashed all three of the pictures and then handed the bat to Sammy to smash his that was a great visual, honestly. Like, they bashed the hell out of those pictures. And I felt bad for Mel Coleman, unfortunately, because her <laughs> artwork got ruined. Uh, but it was a, it was kind of a badass visual. Visual I do have to get. Uh, and while it's also another thing. Why are Sting and Darby helping them again? What do they have to do with any of this? I was just about to say, do you think this sets up Sting and Darby for a tag title shot? And do you think they I'm win? I'm down with that. And Sting's retirement match is a tag title championship match or something. I personally think it would be a disappointment to many if it wasn't a singles match. Uh, Actually, that's dumb as fuck. Why would his retirement match be a title match? He's going to lose no matter what. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I I was about to say it's late, but it's still earlier for me than it is for you. So I don't have a good excuse on that one. It's okay. (laughs) It's okay. Listen, we're all having fun in fantasy booking here. As, and Troy trying to make something out of this crazy match that they have. Um, I'll go with Team Sting winning. Uh, I, I'm putting my money against the, the Cows family. Yeah. Um, fuck. Who do you pin in this match? 
So I'm like, Fletcher just won the TV title, but he's getting pinned, huh? Um, I'll be very bummed if the tag champs get pinned or Hobbs. Like, again, I think this is something where you just pin Sammy. Like, you were just talking as well about him coming back and being a father. And, you know, I did not think that he captured any of that energy, too. Of like, uh, no, uh, no, yeah, you uh, did mention that. It's happened a lot, right? Like, when Moxie, Moxley left for rehab, right? He left as a heel. He came back as a massive baby face. A lot of wrestling, and that happens often in wrestling, where someone leaves due to a, a real-life thing, uh, whether it be pregnancy or, you know, issues or even tragedy, sometimes um, illness, whatever. Right. And that can sort of rewrite who they are and who they return as. Dude, when Sammy was like, who told you to put my daughter in there? This was some five more minutes bullshit, yeah. man. Like this had when he said that I was like, what? Like, dude, yeah, who, yeah what, what's like, the problem with that? I, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Get it like it's so fucking dumb and if you were a father you would understand why you don't want people talking good about your child and and you know memorializing and them I, I will say too like the whole everything bes- between don and sammy felt like they were getting in three months of a story in 30 seconds totally like, agree all right let's cut to it then you can't be a father and it's like what you just yeah like- where did that come from and on top of it he was he was constantly saying like Ah, like you finally showed up to work for once. And it's like you ruined this family because you got injured with your damn concussion. You wasted all of our time having a child. You should have been with us this whole time. And like you said, it was a totally 180 turn. Like and and like you said, this could have been explained in months and instead it happened in a minute pretty much. Uh so yeah, bad stuff all around. I'm not as down on Sammy as some people. I know a lot of people don't like him. Uh, but I, I cannot approve of how this all went at the end of the day. I think yeah, I Hobbs mean, might it, take the it fall. Resets Sammy back to square one as well. Like yeah. I don't know. Totally, he's going. No, like there's no it's, growth in his character to go back to Jericho. No, and again, look at look at these pillars now. Like, um, I I think Darby's been hurt. Like that's why he hasn't been on. But dude, Darby has very low profile. Sammy's been out. Yeah. And even he returns and he's exactly where he was. He's farther back before when he left. Like, and then Jack's just fucking gone still. He's just in the ether. Um, so. Yeah, that turn was so stupid in hindsight. I, I, I said it when it happened and I double believe it now. Uh, the turn on Jericho was totally stupid and unnecessary, uh, in, in my opinion. It, it was made worse by a lot of other bad decisions. But anyway, uh, you go with the the Callis family, uh, Penn Sammy. Um. I'll go God. with I'll go with Starks I'll, and or sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I'll go with Sammy Penny Hobbs. Good mind. Get the return pop. Wow. Um I'm gonna go with Big Bill getting a pin. Okay. Hometown guy. Right? I'm assuming That's he's a, yeah. from New York, yeah. right? He <laughs> he has to Where's be big, from if big he's Bill not from? from fucking New York. From dude, Queens, New York. There we go. Thank God. I was going to say, if he's not, I'll get a big bill tattoo that says he should be from New York. Well, he Um, is. So he he lives up to your your reputation there. But no, I I would love to see the actual tag champs because everyone else in this match, I think, is, you know, totally expendable in storyline right now. Sting absolutely has his own thing going on. Like, he's fucking Sting no matter what. But. These are your actual tag champions. The other two guys are the two lower guys in the family outside of Takeshita and Osprey. And then it's yeah. a washed Jericho and a fucking returning Sammy with nothing to do. 
So, you know, sh- let's let's go Starks and Bill. Big Billy Starks. I hope they win. <laughs> They're good. I, I like I like them as a, a tag team. Uh, I didn't like that line from Jericho trying to see, <laughs> seem clever, but I did like them as a tag team. Oh, overall. Excalibur. Yeah, check out uh, Ring of Honor Final Battle this Friday. <laughs> <laughs> Just <laughs> and, and if you want to check it out, uh, check out our review of Final Battle featuring Billy Starks in the main event yes. uh, versus Athena as well. In a very strong match as well. Great pay-per-view overall, uh, which we get into there. Uh, next match, Swerve Strickland versus Keith Lee. Again, they had the little promo after the triple threat. Uh, and they got the contract. This has been one of those that's been around forever. And they're finally doing the blow off. I think we both think Swerve will win here, but maybe you'll surprise me. It's funny that Keith Lee went from being him to chasing him, right? Like yeah, Shane Taylor's like, that's it. it. It's time for him. And Keith Lee's like, who, me? And then after he <laughs> wins, he's like, that's it. I'm <laughs> coming for him. So I'm excited to see who him is for Swerve. And I'm hoping it's MJF. But um, me yeah, too. I definitely think Swerve's going to go over here. Um, You know, this has everything to be your, like, I think this should open the show. Um. I think this could fucking be your I look back at like those old um Darby MJF pay-per-view opener, right? Um, oh, yeah. this has everything to be an absolutely fucking amazing match um without being insanely high stakes or a main event program. Uh they have everything they need for storytelling already. You know, this is a long time coming. Uh my only hope with the match is that Swerve gets a clean win. I think that they've been doing a great job especially and the C2 by establishing heels not needing interference wins, which is a pretty big, you know, issue in AEW historically. Um, I fucking love Prince Nana. I hope he's ringside the whole time, but I just really hope Swerve gets a very emphatic and clean finish. Um, you know, if it's if it's a dirty pin, then uh, I imagine it's going to go forward. But I think that, you know, Keith's obsession with this um, losing can do a lot more for his character and. I think that to make we talk about how losses, you know, don't ruin careers. But I'm like, dude, if you make Swerve lose right now, then you should be fired. Right. Um, Straight up like that. He needs to continue rising. He's he's your next world champion, in my opinion. I totally agree. I fully expect him to get a win. It wouldn't surprise me if they didn't have a handshake if they did this and we don't see Swerve maybe go towards more babyface leading tactic after this. Uh, I think the fans are into him so much. Uh, he won, won so much respect through the tournament. What's not, what's not to like about him? He's got ultimate swag, like great guy, uh, great on the mic, great wrestler, carries himself again, such a unique style and just a, a hell of a talent, man. I love Swerve. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm going with him and Keith Lee with all due respect. And I like him a lot. I think he's one of the mis- most misused talents in AEW. I think he has a ton of upside if they used him right uh, rather than not at all, which is what they've used him for here. Uh, but the fact of the matter is he's one of the least pushed guys on this whole show. You want to talk about lost in the ether. Uh, he, they've done so little with him that uh, I think he him losing wouldn't affect anything pretty much with him. He's going to go the same way regardless. Swerve gets the win. Uh, I, I don't expect too much there. I like the idea of starting the show with that, though. <laughs> kind of bookending the show with maybe your big program down the line. Yeah. Hero versus Andrade. I'm going to call Andrade, and I really hope that they end this program after. Yeah. I liked the Redeemer character a lot. Um, I think they lost everything 
or everything that they were just kind of like being mysterious about in his like little rambling promos was always this ugly and misogynistic. Uh, yeah. But dude, like this, this was bad. Um, you know, yeah. I like Miro and ring like Miro's a fucking, he's one of those guys where it's like, why does he wrestle only once every three fucking months? Right. Um, if there's one person I think who like if we look at collision right from start to finish and I'm like, if there's one person that they've invested the most in because it's not punk anymore. Danielson came back halfway through. Dude, Andrade has been the yeah. fucking guy on collision, um, you know, never loses very rarely. Seems like there has been a lot of genuine investment in him since he's come back. Um, you know, him going to CMLL, this this all kind of makes me think yep. that he's not re-signing with the WWE, perhaps. I don't even know what his contract status is, but, you know, he's one of those guys where everyone always talks about, oh, yeah, he's going back to the Fed first thing, right? Um, but I think Andrade needs the win here. Again, if we're talking about character progression, um, Andrade is another guy who I think is going to be a world you need to start making new world title challengers right um and i think that this pay-per-view needs to establish some of those um and miro is the character losing i think that the sort of like disillusioning his faith um you know i fought for this and i should have fought for that whatever right again a, a loss makes sense for his character and i want to see andrade and I don't know what 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 do you think is next for them because this is the first match as well still so I say Andrade here and I could see it being clean do you think CJ inter uh, interferes that's do what I think was thinking do you think CJ turns on Andrade that's what I was thinking like okay. this is all a, b a big plan <laughs> to help uh, Miro uh, pretty much I hate this angle uh, that they're doing with CJ. And Miro is a fantastic performer. I loved his promos when he was the champion, uh, the Redeemer and all of that stuff. It was great. Then they kind of turned it, as you said, more to his wife. And like you said, they were teasing some misogyny type of stuff. And it, now it, they've gone. Yeah. I was just going to say it very much went from like, you know, you don't know God. I will show you God to like my wife stays in the kitchen when I fight in the ring. And <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what okay, what happened between here and there, bud? Um, and I think we had both talked about that show as well. And my apologies for interrupting, but no, it no was very jarring because we had both talked that night. Like this came out of nowhere. It was a very sudden and immediate shift in the character, the way he speaks and just even his like aura, right? He went from sort of being almost like very, like mythic in a way i guess you could say more of an out there character to now he just feels like a very general kind of buffoonish brute in terms yeah, of like totally his, his intellect and whatnot and i think they've lost a lot of that aura and especially with the character like you know the wife choosing another man over him and his he's jealous of it and I don't know. Like, there's not a lot that doesn't do a lot for me. Nothing about any of this does anything for me compared to where we were at with the God's Champion deal, which was freaking awesome. Uh, big mm -hmm. step back. Love his work. I think he's a great wrestler. I think this is a sleeper match on the card. If they get time, I think they're going to deliver big. Uh, I just I fear that CJ will interfere and it'll be a turn on Andrade to complete that. Maybe you could pull something. CJ managing her own faction, get Miro a buddy. You put Andrade, like LFI, pull, pull something into there. I don't know. But 
I'll play it safe and go with Andrade as well here and just make it straight up. Have whatever blow off with Miro and CJ you're going to do, but let Andrade get the win. He's need, he needs to continue his momentum from the tournament. Dude. Yeah. And, um, Oh my God. What was I just going to say? Uh, uh, um, I completely forgot. So, oh, sorry. You are way more knowledgeable about Mexican wrestling than I am. Um, yeah. I heard, I know Andrade just returned to CMLL. If I'm not mistaken, there is a iteration of um, LIF and CMLL, right? With a different name. Yeah. Do so, you think, yeah. so my question is, obviously they, I would say the one thing I feel like that isn't really being touched on the company right now is the Roosh Andrade relationship, especially because they were aligned originally. And then, you know, unfortunately, Sammy Guevara ran into Andrade's fist. um, And then that led to the (laughs) solution. But could you see Andrade maybe bringing in other people? Do you see an LFI civil war? What do you, do you see any sort of, you know, evolution of their relationship? What do you hope to see um, maybe in, in this sense between these two guys? For me, so like originally back way back, like 10 years ago now, we got a group called Los Ingobernables that started in CMLL. And it was Roosh and Andrade, then known as La Sombra, and this other guy called La Mascara. He sucks. <laughs> but they did the Ingobernables stuff. That branched off to Naito joining the group, who was Sombra's teammate in Japan. Naito came in on his Mexican excursion and joined it, then brought it to Japan and called it LIJ, which is, as we know, like he stole that from the original Ingobernables in Mexico. And that means like the ungovernables because they were trying to be like in Mexico, it's more defined. You know, on TV, you don't really hear people say, oh, so and so is a baby face. And so it's a face versus heel matchup. They don't explicitly say that, even if we all know that. In Mexico, baby faces are called technicals and heels are called rudos. So the technicals and the rudos are always named. Like everyone knows who's a technical and a rudo. But the Arena Mexico crowd, it was kind of like in WWE where everybody was rejecting their product. A lot of times the Arena Mexico crowd would always boo the technicals. And so they were basically trying to make the heels heels instead of technicals getting booed. So they were like, no, we're not Rudos, we're Technicos, but they would do all the asshole stuff that would make people still boo them, and they became superstars because of it. (laughs) So that transitioned to them falling out with CMLL and Roosh starting LFI, which is basically a continuation of that. And the the guys you're talking about in Mexico now were called uh, the Nuevos Ingobernables, which were like the new Ingobernables. They were a team, uh, Terrible, who's been injured a lot, and uh, the Chavez brothers, Angel de Oro and Niebla Roja, who are two of the best workers in CMLL, in my opinion, and two of my favorites. Um, and they kind of continued on that path. Angel de Oro had a great match uh, with Volador and the Anniversario this year, where uh, Volador t- pulled an amazing match out with a broken arm. Uh, everybody should watch that match. It's unbelievable. Um, but they're great. If they wanted to do something where Sombra could maybe team up with them and re rebirth, you know, have a rebirth of the Ingobernables, and they could do something with Roosh as well in there, that would be pretty interesting. Uh, I think that would be really cool. I'd love to see a lot of people from CML get a spot in uh, AEW if they wanted to do it. I don't know how keen Tony Khan is of that. 
they've kind of kept CMLL at arm's length so far. Uh, outside of the Mystico match on Rampage, they haven't really done a lot with the CMLL guys. So I don't know if that's a plan. Uh, when he came back, uh, he hasn't teamed with the uh, Nuevos and Governadales, though. Uh, Andrade hasn't since he's back in CMLL. Uh, he did team with Angel de Oro once, but also Soberano Jr., who is a okay. newly crowned Rudo. Uh, so they're kind of trying to they're trying to fit Soberano, who also teamed with the Chavez brothers a lot because they're all from the same area. That happens a lot in Lucha. Like, so me and you, if we were from the same, like if me and two other wrestlers were both from Memphis, we would probably naturally have a, an affinity for each other if it were the Mexican style. Like people from the Lagoon region. Uh, you know, would be with each other. Anybody Blue Panther brings in will have an alliance. That happens a lot in Lucha, where guys from the same area are often teaming together and become friends that way. Is it? Is in like Best Year Six Six Six? Like that whole family's like Tijuana or some shit. Yeah. 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 Okay. 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 I see. Uh, yeah, and and uh, also uh, Andrade, uh, his cousin is a new luchador in CMLL, uh, Briante Jr., who was actually, Andrade's original name was Briante Jr. in CMLL. His dad was Briante, obviously. Uh, so now he's got his cousin, who is now Briante Jr., not, and Andrade was the first, but now he's just Andrade. <laughs> like, and, so it's fun how uh, Lucha Libre works sometimes. But long story short, I would absolutely love if you brought any of those names I mentioned into AEW. I think they would all be great fits uh, to do something with them. And if anything, just have Andrade and Roosh kind of team up and pair off again and, and do some cool stuff. I think that would be great uh, if they could do that. Even a feud, if you could have Roosh lead his guys with LF5 or Andrade and like the Nuevos Ingobernables. Uh, you could even do something with Naito coming in, see whose side he's on. It, you could do a lot of interesting yeah. stuff if they wanted. Yeah. And dude, like, you know, with Andrade as well, like we I will never forget his match against Johnny Gargano. Like that was very One of the best. formative for me. Right. Like that was yeah. the match that I feel like really defined NXT is like this is fucking something. And um, dude, he just turned 34 like last month. This guy is young. And yep. he is only getting better and somehow bigger and somehow faster. Um, it's scary. It's very scary. Um, but, like, dude, I really think that he hasn't even hit that level. Like, I think the surface that Swerve is scratching right now is, like, he's hitting his next evolution. And I don't think that we've seen Andrade start to scratch that surface yet in AEW or even like I think what he did in NXT was that next evolution of him and I yeah. don't think we've seen the Andrade post that yet I think Swerve has absolutely refound himself and elevated yeah, himself in AEW totally. now but dude like you know when I look at these two guys like tell me that Swerve versus Andrade for a world title main event isn't like one of those like old school black and gold NXT like you when you go in and you're like if this isn't a five star I'm going to be upset, right? Like it's that kind of just absolute unreal talent. So yeah, uh, I totally agree. I think he's got a ton of potential, like a million dollar look, you know, uh, wrestles great, uh, has to so much. Like you said, he hasn't even scratched the surface yet at AEW. If they could get by that, uh, to that level that he was at in NXT with Zelina, I think they would be really off to the races with him. And, and they've shown in this tournament, he's really reestablished himself somewhat. He hasn't gotten to the height Swerve has yet, but this was a great step forward for him. I think he's much better off since the tournament uh, than before it, in my opinion. And I, and hopefully he can win this match with Miro and take another step forward. So yeah. 
The main event. The Dylan's main event. MJF versus Samoa Joe for the AEW World Title. Let's talk about the angle they shot tonight. Originally, it was going to be MJF and Joe defending the Ring of Honor tag belts versus two guys, <laughs> <laughs> like two of the Putty Patrol members that, that the devil has. Uh, so they come out. First of all, even Ken was like, what the fuck? This match is starting with, at nine o'clock. Dude, yes, I was just about to say it began at fucking eight. Like the lack of, yeah. of, of the lack of visible investment in this that they had from the beginning. And so they just walk out of the crowd. No music. Uh, two guys come out with black masks on. You can't see any of their features. And then MJF comes out. They play Joe's music. And MJF's like, all right. And they're like, we're waiting the appearance of Samoa Joe now. And they cut to the back and he's like, ah, my leg. And so he's hurt. He's been attacked, too. And MJF's like, screw it. I'll do the match myself. So he runs in. He beats up the two geeks. Uh, tries to pull out the mask. At one point, he takes one outside. But then a third goon comes in from under the ring and blasts him with an umbrella or a stick or something. Uh, hits him with that. And Tony Schiavone says, where did he come from? And Ken got really <laughs> mad at this. He was like, are you fucking serious? He came from right <laughs> under the ring. We saw it. It was very funny to me. Uh, it's, yeah. so. Exc- Excalibur sees him hit him, but then yeah. like just completely forget. Oh, my God. Great point, Ken. Thank you. Y- yes. Uh, so they roll him back in. And as you mentioned to me on text message, they totally blow the finish where he goes for the roll up, <laughs> tries like hell to put his feet on the ropes, but fails three times. In and the a other row. devil's trying to put his fucking feet up there, too. Like, it wasn't just one guy biffing it, dude. It was both of them. Just <laughs> Yeah, you're right. Both of them screwed up the most basic heel spot and they still screwed him up. What the? Oh, like this, this, uh, this stuff, <laughs> this stupid, <laughs> stupid shit that they're feeding us after a wonderful show. My message I have on draft, I didn't send it, but I put I hate AEW uh, on there after a great show otherwise. But this was so dumb and it got even worse somehow. So they are now, um, you know, masked goon A and B are now the Ring of Honor tag champions, and I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will represent Ring of Honor to the fullest. Did you hear uh, Justin Roberts? So, uh, yeah, yeah. He yeah, said the when they tag team champions. <laughs> Just didn't <laughs> say shit, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I did laugh really hard at that. Um, oh my god. Yeah. Please, please uh, finish. <laughs> So then they beat the hell out of him. Then two other goons show up. Who knows where the fourth one came from? It's a four on one beating. And then suddenly Joe's music hits again. He hobbles down to the ring with a steel chair. They all flee. And he helps MJF. And he's like, damn it. How can we lose the titles like this? And suddenly the devil appears on the screen. And we see the message. It was nice doing business with you. And then suddenly Joe, much like Seth Rollins with the shield, smashes the chair onto MJF, smashes him again with the chair, beats the hell out of him, hits the muscle buster and poses with the title. So now Joe has been in league with the devil all along is our next storyline twist. Now, how did they explain that when Joe has protected him all the way to this point? 
<laughs> he's the one that came up with that idea. So this is this I I, I saw this differently. Um, okay. like when Joe was beating up Max originally, I thought he was saying I did this to you, but I guess he was saying I'm doing this for you. So something okay. that like. One, I don't like where this is going already. Okay. I mean, I, I say this now. I still hate it. I want to say that. Um, yeah. But just this is the way I interpreted it was that I'm doing this for you is Joe maybe knows who the devil is. And he's like, dude, I'll take you out now and I'll save you more pain type thing. Right. Um, also, I see it as if Max doesn't show up Saturday, Joe wins. And then now that the devils, the devil people are gone or whatever, the match is over. You know, technically, the only thing MJF has to do now is, you know, just show up on Saturday, essentially, like Joe beats the shit out of him. Hey, I protected you as long as I needed to. Now I'm going to beat you down. You come in even weaker and then it reestablishes him as the heel. I was never your friend. But just all of it from top to bottom, like. Yeah, I don't know. But so so what made you think that he's in league with the devil? Was it just because of like the how how it all happened um in they order said he, or No, he said oh, no, that the commentary was saying that you're correct. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, and and the message on the screen said I did business with you. So the devil said he's in league with the devil at least. Dude, okay. Like that, and that's the thing was even when the commentary was saying it, I was confused because I was like, it feels like they're trying to force that through, but like I still just like I don't know. Hey, can we just really... say another thing? Can we just say another thing about these messages? You can't read these because they don't shoot, they don't zoom in on them to where you can read what these messages say. You're basically looking at it from a distance to where, unless you have a, a hyper vision TV, 4K. You know, it's not you have to kind of, you know, look extra hard for it to see what it said. So it's not surprising you missed it because they don't even read it, really. They just show it on the screen. And if you're looking at MJF and Joe, you're not looking at the screen. So and then they take it off. So you might not have even seen that. The part about, hey, it was a pleasure doing business with you, Joe. Yeah, and um, oh, OK, so I saw pleasure doing business with you. I thought that they were saying that to MJF is like, thanks for the title match or whatever. OK, so that's very good to know. Thank you for the clarification. My well, God, I, I I, maybe it's all maybe it's weeks. all may, maybe it's all a swerve. And you're right. I, I'm not going to speak definitively on this, my friends, um, because there is no who logic. Could, who could really predict this sort of magnum opus, uh, you know, <laughs> cerebral storytelling? But, dude, I. I think that the punishment for this whole feud and just storyline should be that every single time they promote this world title main event, they say, will Samoa Joe lose to MJF again? Because (laughs) I think that's still like one of my biggest hangups is, dude, we saw this match and it ended fucking clean. Like, (laughs) well, MJF cheated. Like he remember he used the chain to choke him out and he dropped it right in front of the referee, which the referee had to conveniently ignore. God damn it, dude. My memory is not what it used to be. <laughs> this is just in sequence now. I'm dropping the ball. But, dude, God, even then, I'm just like, I'm like, I'm, I would say I'm very biased um, towards Japanese, like, approaches to sort of title reigns um, where they don't do a lot of rematches, you know? It's the sequence yeah, yeah. of opponents. Um, so for me, just, and again, it's one of those things where, like, you gave us a long world title match on television, and now you're going to run that television back as a pay-per-view main event. 
is like a fan that watches that feels fucking cheap to me. Um, yeah, it, it feels sucks. like, yeah, it's not something that I inherently want to pay for. So thank God for every other match on this card except the Callis family one. <laughs> but who do you think wins here? Like, does MJF carry it into the new year? We, I mean, let, let's let's break down some things here, right? I mean, looking at the pay per view. Because we've sort of talked about, you know, our thoughts on Dynamite. Not great. Um, you know, if you would have ended the show at 8, when it actually was supposed yeah, to be Yeah, it was show, great. Until, <laughs> until this stupid-ass main event. Sky Blue and Chris Statline, Stat, Statlander, the yeah, people's main awesome. event. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, who do you think the devil is? Who do you think the tag champs are? Who's winning? And then again, so many too, like, questions. I, yeah, like one of the things that I, I keep forgetting is MJF is shoot hurt, right? Like his body, yeah. his hip is fucked. He has a torn labrum. Um, do we see Joe potentially winning here and sort of maybe doing a transitional champion role with a swerve? So, yeah, thought like everything. I, Sorry, a lot of questions. Like, like I said earlier, I could totally see swerve uh, going more of a babyface leaning role after this pay-per-view and if joe were to win that totally opens the door for swerve uh in the near future i just this storyline they've as much as it sucks and it truly truly sucks they've invested so much into it even with him being hurt i think to have him lose the title before we even know who the devil is i don't know if they would do that Ultimately, like I think we have to get to who the hell this stupid ass devil is in the first place. So I'm trying to think. And will, um, will he ever be revealed? Will we ever learn who he is? Because I feel like every- he has to be revealed here. The finish I could see is that it's the end of the match. MJF is maybe going to win. The devil, the devil walks out him. in front of the ring, pulls yeah. off the mask. It's Luther. And then MJF's yes. like, I can't believe it. Match ends. Okay, let, who are you, who are your top suspects for the devil? I'll throw some names at you. See what you think. Listen, let's say this plays out exactly as you said. If the devil comes out, pulls the mask off, uh, MJF can't believe it. Joe chokes him out or whatever. Afterward, Jungle Boy. I'm sorry. I'm trying so hard not to laugh because I just pictured it as Stephen A. Smith. I pictured him as that. Stephen A. Smith. (laughs) It's fucking Draymond Green is the tag champion. It just all comes Um, Jack Perry. Like. It's a it's different. I think, you know, everyone assumes Adam Cole. Jack Perry. Is it exciting? No. Um, Does it make sense? Yes, like MJF shit on Jack so much, stole yeah. the wins, and then MJF turns babyface, Jack turns heel, so Jack steals his shit. It makes sense on paper. I think you could have a good feud, um, but no, I won't say it's Jack. Who else? Adam Cole, probably the clubhouse favorite. That's, I mean, dude, that's what makes the most sense, but it's like, is yeah. he healthy enough to return is he just gonna be is he gonna switch roles with roddy like you know and that's roddy... that's the one thing i if if they are desperate to push this along until cole can be healthy could they like drag this out even more that's the one thing i'm thinking like they don't want to reveal it until cole can actually do something and that's why they're dragging this out and to me in all honesty 
who cares who it is at this point the storyline's going so gone so far off the rails no matter who it could possibly be i still won't like it <laughs> like there's no good options there's just some that can maybe be a little bit interesting coming in and i think that would probably be like you said that's the one that honestly makes the most sense is cole to, to out, out of everybody um, and i think i mean he is yeah. very insulated with players who are already connected to him um, you know, one of my big fears is that this is so embedded into the world title scene is like if MJF wins. Right. How yeah. does this not remain the world title picture of him feuding with the devil? If the yeah. devil comes down and and MJF loses as a result, because I think it, that just makes the most sense from a storyline perspective. Is it yeah. the most exciting? No, but whatever. Um then I think they can feud without the title, right? And then that yeah. person maybe puts MJF on the shelf so he can heal. But then does the devil not go for the fucking world title? Yeah, yeah like, that's another thing. And, yeah, what is, there's no again, it, there's no good options with this storyline. They booked themselves so poorly that no matter what they do, there's going to be a lot of holes and stupid stuff to answer for. And then also like if it is Adam Cole, this guy is challenged for the world title four times now. Like, I think he has actually challenged it twice against Hangman, twice against MJF. He has challenged for it more than anyone else on the roster has, um, you know, and without ever winging it. Like, I, the last person I want in the world title picture again, sadly, is Adam Cole. Um, yeah. And then, you know, I, I do think that they will reveal them on Saturday. Like, again, I, I really feel like they have to. And also, I think we'll see who the tag team champions are. Um, yeah, so that's Ring of true. Honor can move forward. You know, if it's Cole, um, you know, I've seen a lot of people just in the group chats talk about uh, Red Dragon, Bobby Fishback, yeah. Kyle and Bobby is the tag champs in Ring of Honor could be really cool. Um, yeah. And then the Kingdom is the other two people. What I think would be really interesting is if Roddy didn't know. I that That's the one thing that, like, I'm excited about this is that. Roddy was actually that would actually be somewhat clever, car. actually. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, what? And then because, you know, I think that you could actually make some money with Roddy and MJF. I think that Roddy compliments him better. I don't think Cole can play. Cole's better as an evil fucking prick. Cole is better as a Christian cage heel than an MJF heel. I think Roddy is a really good MJF sort of comedy heel. They can play better off each other. The cool stuff always feels yeah, a eventually become baby faces. Yeah, like, like yeah. the crowd will will side with Roddy and MJF. That would actually be a clever turn if they did something like that to where he was the only one in the dark. Uh, and you could easily do something where they a uh, four on one beat down between Red Dragon, the Kingdom and Cole. Like, yeah. On, on, yeah. I mean, you could do something, too. Like, why do you think we were literally always with you, Roddy? We we're just trying to, like, fucking make sure you didn't ruin things or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, so we're, like, I, the I kingdom. Because it could be, like, uh, they have been very, like, um, God, like, how how would you even describe them? Like, just, it rot, like, they're, like, cult, cult followers of Roddy, essentially, right? Um, yeah. So it would be funny to almost give, like, justification to why they're, like, so seemingly obsessed with like always being around him or whatever but they're like no nah, dude you suck um that would, that would explain so many things Roddy. yeah that would explain so many stupid parts of this if that happened that's like a genius idea you just came up with <laughs> if they did that my perspective may change entirely uh it's such a good idea 
nothing they've done gives me faith that they think this will turn out good. But if they yeah. did do that, I everything would actually make somewhat logical sense. The Joe stuff is kind of stupid, but if he ends up winning the title, I guess it makes sense. But then that you still have to worry about will Cole go for the title, and that, it's tough. But I like your idea a lot. That's the best case scenario to me. Roddy in the dark as like a useful idiot. That they they end up obviously the ending of that would be that he's been underestimated, and he you know him and MGF connect together. We both got fucked over by Cole. Like we now have this bond in a weird way and they could have the moment where they have the big hug at the end. I think the crowd would love that. Like if Roddy and MGF became aligned and they finally hugged, I think the crowd would like pop huge for that uh, yeah, overall. It's, too. it's not as forced like that. Actually, you know, something we've talked about a lot throughout this entire from Cole and MJF to MJF and the devil, et cetera, et cetera, is that yeah. not a lot of it feels earned. It's like yeah. they know what the story beats are. They know the things they want to pay tribute to, right? From the the Ric Flair or whatever you said from the last one, him driving the ambulance back to the arena um, to, you know, the, the replicating of the Seth Rollins shield spot, as you said today, yeah. right? Like they yeah. are in dialogue with history, but it's just not it, – it's not earned – it doesn't click like it's 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 like um it's tracing right like yeah, that's yeah. what it feels like is you're drawing over the lines that are there rather than trying to like dance with them and create something new um yeah. and you know to sort of i guess to to make my official prediction yeah again i think mjf has to lose in my heart I hope because if not, then he's feuding with the devil for the world title. I think yeah. the devil costs MJF the world title. I think Samoa Joe wins here. Um, you know, it, dude, it seems like if if Tony loves anyone, it's Shibata and Samoa Joe because yeah. Samoa <laughs> Joe has been a champion since he's joined this company in one way or another. Um, I could totally see him giving sort of that uh, that really like strong. I, I could see Tony doing that as well as like needing a transitional champion being like. WWE didn't make you a world champion. I will make you a fucking world champion, right? Um, type deal. And then I think if you need a transitional champion, like we were saying to get to a, you know more babyface leaning swerve, Joe yeah. is fucking awesome for that. My God. Um, and then also, I just thought, and I don't know if this makes any sense though, but maybe the devil enters the pre-show battle royale as well and wins, kind of like uh, MJF did at the the chip. Uh, just yeah that that could be a very interesting callback as well but then up but then i'm like ah <laughs> that's a if it was a christian or maybe copeland yeah if the, if the number one contender for the world title i would probably predict that but because it's a tnt title i don't think that'll happen but if they ever do something where it's like a crazy match where the winner is the number one contender for the title i could see that happening if they do extend this which i hope they don't uh, i'm gonna go with my heart here and follow your lead uh, at first, I was going to pick MJF, honestly, but your plan was so good that I have worked myself into a shoot believing it could happen. And this may all turn out not terrible because, like I said, we're going to be doing the best and worst of awards <laughs> in a week or two. And we may be talking about the storyline a bit <laughs> when we get to the worst of awards. Um, but I will go with Joe to win as well. And we and hopefully all that you said comes true uh, there. Uh, but overall... Uh, any last thoughts on World's End? What's your hype level for the show? Go again. Um, I would say like seven and a half, 
like, you know, even though I I don't like the devil stuff, I can't lie and say I'm not intrigued to see what happens. No, and there's a lot of good stuff on mostly, this show. Mostly from the perspective of just like, I need to see how this sort of culminates, yeah. right? Um, yeah. It's like, I don't care about retribution, but I want to know who the fucking members are at this point, right? Um, yeah. But there's a lot of great stuff on this show. I think that the matches, you know, we're, we're spoiled with a couple of really great singles matches that have had, you know, that haven't been, you know, very focused on, on TV because of two of the participants being in the tournament, but those should be absolute bangers. Tournament finals, two women's matches with some great, actually weeks long buildup. Um, yep. And then, you know, Christian and Copeland just hamming it the fuck up. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty excited for it. So I'm excited to chat about it. What about you? It, I feel the same way. Uh, I am super hyped for the finals of the tournament. I've loved covering it on this show with you the whole way. Hopefully the, the listeners did as well. I had as much fun as we did. And I'm so excited for that. And like you said, the main event angle, whatever they're going to do, the worst thing to me would be that what they did last time, where there was there's no mention of the devil whatsoever. Like and and MGF just wins somehow, beats Joe with one leg, and then we just don't know anything about the devil or anything like that. No conclusions are come. Because I thought that was one of the big flaws of the Jay White match was that they teased so much with the devil to leave us hanging that way felt very cheap and not well done. Uh so hopefully yep. they do do something and I'm somewhat intrigued. It's such a train wreck that I need to see what how this is all going to come to a head. Uh, I agree with your way of saying it as well. So, <laughs> what if the devil walks out? MJF has Joe pinned, right? MJF gets up. The devil has a mic, and then um, he looks at Max, and you just hear five more minutes. Are you going to break into tears? Mm. I will. I think that would touch my soul. <laughs> Five more minutes. I mean, it's oh my new, god. I'm he... sorry. I love you. <laughs> okay. What? If, what if the devil walks out and suddenly he stands there? He pulls the mask off and immediately music hits and we hear Don Callis is the devil. Dude, I would be. I'm trying to think. Would I be more bummed if Don Callis is the devil or Matt Hardy? Like, <laughs> who's who's the worst person that could be the devil? Like, the devil's walking down, and then one of the henchmen's just Jeff doing his fucking dance to, like, <laughs> the strut. Um, <laughs> dude, I just, I don't know. It's, like, we make fun of this a lot. It's going to be, it, it. like you said, it's, it's an absolute train wreck. I'm excited to see how it ends. Hopefully... Um, it's time. It's fucking time. <laughs> it definitely so. is. Uh, hopefully we, we close out 2023 with a bang. Uh, we definitely will on Russell update and hopefully AEW follows along as well. And, uh, as always, thank you so much for coming on, doing the show, hanging out. We talked a lot about everything. We gave a, as full of a preview as we possibly could have, uh, for world's end. And if you have any last words, you want the people to hear now is your time. Um, if you're a sicko and like death matches, I will be front row at the Circle Six King of the Death matches in L.A. this Saturday. If you're going to be there, say hello. If we have any any listeners that are going to Circle Six on Saturday, hit me up. I will be there. Check it out on Fight. I'll be front row. Um, I'm super excited. This is a crazy weekend for pro wrestling. Um, 
so many year-end shows we have in Japan, Kento and Nakajima. In the U.S., you have Nick Gage versus Jun Kasai. Uh, New Year's Eve, you have the Nick Gage Invitational the same night as the King of the Death matches. Um, you have ICW during their two-night uh, two big tournament in honor of the late referee um, SPO. Rest in peace. All the love to SPO. Um, Rest in peace, brother. Yeah, it's it's I'm pretty sure the tournament's literally called Battle of the Tough Guys. It's very fun. It's um you know, it's it's like a New Japan Cup, but no DQ matches, not death matches typically. Um so it you know, for for the US deathmatch fans, huge weekend just in general. I'm hyped as hell. I can't wait to talk all about it um come Monday. So thank you as always, dude. Like uh, you know, this has been a highlight for me this year. Um, you know, it was on you know, my bucket list and news resolutions to really try and integrate more within the wrestling community. And a podcast was a big dream. So to have been invited by you on here as a guest to now co-hosting with you and just not only getting to do this with you, but getting to chat off air when we get to catch up and just talk about life and what's going on and everything. Like it's been such a highlight for me this year and just a much needed new and just friendship that i really cherish so thank you so much for everything no i 100 percent reciprocate those feelings uh you were really the mvp in my opinion this year because when you came along things were shaky and, and through no fault of yours or anybody's or, or mine i like to think anyway uh you know the ground was really shaky i was trying to formulate stuff and move forward in the best way i could for wrestle update and then you came in and it was a hand and glove fit immediately, like literally the first show you were on. Um, the only thing that I was worried, worried about is the time and you've really made it work uh, for the show and for me as well. And I totally agree. You know, I, I love it because you had already we had already known each other for a long time, uh, but, but, you know, peripherally, uh, obviously you listening to my other show, Eastern Lariat and stuff and the stuff we worked on with your college uh, thing as well. Uh, together so we had a, a decent history always friendly but now we have a real relationship with each other uh, thanks to the show and, and i'm very very thankful to that that we do get that time spent and you have like and i'm being 100 dead serious when i say this you have made my year and my whole life a lot better by your appearance in it and the the situation that we found ourselves in and the relationship that we helped to build through the show and uh, it's thanks to the podcast that we got that chance and i'm so so thankful for it uh, and I've just like I said, these are some of the most fun I've had in a long time recording anything because everybody knows I do a lot of shows. Uh, but the shows me and you do is always such a great time. And, and uh, we just vibe so well as people. And I'm so proud of that uh, because I think you're just a great person in general. And I'm so happy to have you on. Uh, and, and like I said, all everybody knew when you came on, the fans reacted right away. The listeners reacted right away. And I do it myself as well. And I think we've only scratched the surface of things on the show and hopefully just in life as well. I think we have a lot of story left to tell uh, between us and a lot of coverage to have and a lot of fun to be have uh, uh, on this show as well. And it's really changed the show into uh, the fun loving show that I think it should be uh, at the end. And I'm very thankful for that. Uh, shout out to uh, shout out to Big Kev. Uh, he, he he called us to his favorite new duo of 2023 on Twitter. <laughs> shout out, I Big saw Kev. That. Yeah, we, we got to show some love right now. I really appreciated that. Uh, all the listeners, I had a couple people show us that we were in their top five on Spotify uh, for oh, podcasts wow. as well. Uh, that was uh, really cool as well. Uh, shout out to Big Ed for that as well. Uh, really got a lot of love for all the people out there. Uh, so 
hopefully keep your eyes open and, and your eyes peeled and your ears open because uh, we got a lot of cool shit coming in the first part of 2024 as well. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and yeah, just uh, always keep keep yourself uh, safe and happy. I hope everybody had a great Christmas. Lots of cool stuff. And uh, we will be back. Uh, we probably won't be back until just after the new year. And I mean, very soon into the new year. Uh, but we will be back very soon. So if we're not back by then, uh, I hope everybody has a great New Year's celebration. Uh, lots of fireworks. Uh, get some good food again. There's never too many holidays. You can use an excuse to get good food <laughs> uh, wherever you're at. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in all of the year through all of our episodes that we've done. And as always, you know I love you. And until next time, this has been your Russell Update.